0: Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders.
1: What's going on, guys? Before we get into today's podcast episode, I wanted to give you a quick update on the Ready Eddy membership program. To this point, we've grown to have thousands of products from up and coming startups and small businesses in the outdoor travel and lifestyle space on the platform. You can save up to 50% off all of these products anything from skis to jackets to food bars to supplements, anything you could think of to support your. Outdoor Activities is on the platform from small up-and-coming brands. It's a great opportunity to support small businesses while also discovering brands that you've never heard of. You can show off the new gear to your friends and also save a ton while doing it. If you're interested in checking it out, head over to readyeddiecom members to get your first month free. What is going on, Red Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the founder of RoofNest, Tim Nichols. Tim, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, no problem. All right, so for the listener that may not be familiar with RoofNest, how would you best describe it to them?
0: Well, uh, RoofNest is a brand that sells mainly uh, rooftop tents, which are a um improvement on traditional ways of car camping like they're basically it's basically a tent that goes on top of your car and there's a bunch of varieties of that kind of thing i mean from you know tricked out uh vans to um you know uh, people with just platforms on their roof but uh rooftop tents are kind of a enclosed bedroom up on your roof. And the kind we sell are hard shell rooftop tents. So they kind of look like a wide, low storage box, but then they pop up on gas struts and have a mattress inside. And most of our tents, you can store your bedding in them. So it's basically like having a bedroom on your car and you park it anywhere and sleep whenever you want.
1: That's really awesome. Now, tell me a little bit about your background. I know you're originally from Alaska but um roof nest is based in boulder colorado how did you get to the point of deciding to start a company that builds rooftop car roof tents
0: yeah well it it pretty much took took me over um i didn't really plan to start a business i basically was building up an adventure rig back in 2016 and uh I decided I was pretty broke at the time and I decided on a Chevy Astro van because you could get them for cheap. And my plan was to put a rooftop tent on top because I'd seen them in Europe. I have a buddy. I spend a lot of time in Chamonix, France, and I have a buddy over there that um, had a rooftop tent and I'd camped with him a bunch of times and seen how cool it was. So when I was building up the Astro, I uh, wanted to get one, but they were pretty Um, hard to get and quite expensive and I had done a bunch of sourcing of bike parts and bike equipment in China and kind of had dabbled in um, selling things in bulk from Chinese producers with my branding on them and uh, so I started looking into Asian manufacturing sources for rooftop tents and there were some but they were pretty primitive and um not well uh some of them were okay but not super well designed and so when I tried to do that I found that um I could get rooftop tents but I really needed to do a lot of work to make them better and kind of ready for the for the American consumer you know or western consumer and um so that kind of started the journey and My first foray was I maxed out two credit cards and um, basically created the brand RoofNest, built the website, maxed out two credit cards and bought 12 tents and sold them partially to friends and then just through Craigslist to strangers in and around Boulder. And uh, they sold really well. And I ordered 10 more and then it was kind of off to the races after that. It really just kind of grew on its own
1: so many questions <laughs> um let's start with sort of your 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 background um i know you went to school in colorado correct correct so tell me a little bit about that time you grew up in alaska so obviously the outdoors is kind of front and center right you have the ultimate playground <laughs> yeah sort totally
0: of. no i grew up spending a ton of time outdoors and you know my folks weren't super outdoorsy but i mean they were alaskans so they were relative to people in the lower forty eight, they were super outdoorsy. And uh so we camped every summer, we skied every winter and um yeah, and then I came to Boulder for graduate school. I actually studied biochemistry here uh for about four and a half years and um and then Boulder's an awesome place. So I just stayed and did various things um over the years and then, you know, like I said, this roof nest thing kind of uh, came into being and, and really grew uh not quite on its own. I mean, obviously I just do a lot of work, but, uh but it really took off.
1: That's awesome. Now, okay. So you, you max. going back to what you said earlier, you maxed out two credit cards, you bought, um, a few tens, 12, 12 tens. Did you have any, did you have like, um, a, a group of friends being like, Oh no, I would totally buy this. Or was there, did you feel like you were taking a little bit of a risk or did you feel like it was pretty, um, like it was a pretty, uh, Good move, and that you had a pretty good confidence and ability to like move (laughs) those tents.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I definitely, it was definitely risky. I mean, only in the sense that, you know, um, I was going to be in massive credit card debt, I mean, um, which is a risk. And I had sold, you know, I talked to people and. I would placed an ad on Craigslist and there seemed to be interest and I knew I wanted one and had wanted one and enjoyed using it. So I kind of figured other people would too. So in that sense, it didn't feel like a huge risk, but, you know, and I was broke at the time. So being more broke was like not really an issue. Um, and you know, there was kind of only upside. So.
1: And, uh, how long did it take you to really prototype the, the, the rooftop tents and, Did you, do you have any experience sort of going through that process, lining up manufacturing and then, you know, these, these things aren't cheap, right? So were you at all afraid of them showing up and then six things being wrong with them?
0: Terrified. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a process. So the original tents that I branded and sold, um, were a bit of a flyer, you know, I had been going back and forth with the factory and, um, you know, specifying several elements of the tent and then, you know, getting the first ones was kind of like, Oh boy, we gotta, you know, these are great, but we gotta do this and that and the other thing. And then since then, you know, I've been over to China several times and I've just evolved the design and we've created new shell shapes and we've (laughs) just, Changed every aspect of the tent. I mean, pretty much literally every aspect of the tent to to try to make it, you know, function better, be more durable, um, just work better in all conditions and all of the above.
1: Now, how did you go? Because this is this is a point that comes up on this podcast a lot is picking sort of your manufacturing partner, like making sure you do your due diligence and vetting um, to ensure that they can produce the caliber of product that you're looking for, what was that process like for you? Did it did it take a lot of time, or did you did you get yeah. lucky with finding a good one? <laughs> well, I
0: don't. I think I did get lucky, but only in the sense that the manufacturing partner I have now was not um, producing uh, really producing tents when I contacted them. They were making. Uh, four-wheel drive parts and other accessories for four-wheel drive vehicles and they had all the capabilities and they um, were very eager to extend their product line and stuff that they worked on and and they um, I had worked with other manufacturers that kind of were established and they were a little more difficult to work with because they kind of thought they knew how to make the tents and this manufacturer I have now um, was very open to input, very open to making changes. And so they were a willing partner and they've grown with me and we still, you know, I talk to them every day and, you know, I see them a couple times a year and um, it's become a really good partnership. And some of that is luck, but some of it is also just, you know, many, many, many months of
1: hard work. Definitely. Now, did you have any mentors along the journey of trying to like, figure out the manufacturing piece? And then after that, obviously, the, the marketing and branding and just really getting the, the exposure out there to, to move units and grow the business? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, not, not
0: really what I would call a mentor. I mean, I've definitely had several um, friends who have provided key key advice at different times. Um, you know, a couple of whom I still talk to, uh, on the reg and, um, and, and help, but it's been kind of a, you know, personal journey. I, I, most of the time, I think my own instincts, uh, seem to guide me pretty well. I mean, I think it's a, it's a tricky balance. I think with entrepreneurs, you know, you're kind of the one closest to it. So Really, you know the best what needs to be done, but you're not always willing to trust yourself. But uh, um, I've definitely found that, you know, often I have the right answers if I, you know, I'm willing to go for it.
1: Right. Okay. So you go through this first round of 12, you sell them, you place a new order. What was the growth like between 2016 and now? Um, and is there anything in particular that you feel like you did that really helped you guys grow so much?
0: Well, yeah. So in the beginning, so the first tents that I sold, I sold in the beginning of 2017. Um, a lot of work went into leading up to that in 2016 and, uh, and then the first tents were sold in 2017 and then things grew pretty quickly, pretty much from the beginning and, I it's been different things at different times that have helped sustain the growth. And a lot of it comes down to how I've gotten the word out about Roof Nest. And in the beginning, I just put ads on Craigslist. And and then I began uh, posting into Facebook groups, Facebook for sale groups and Facebook uh, groups like mountain biking groups or climbing groups and things like that and really just did a lot of elbow grease type of, you know, uh, guerrilla marketing work. And then, you know, at some point I, I learned about Google ads and um, also um, hired a PR agency uh, about a year and a half ago, a year ago. And um, so it's been a combination of things. And, and of course, now, you know, we, we do a whole vertical stack of different Uh, digital and other marketing methods you know so it's kind of that's evolved with the company
1: that's awesome now i want to ask you like obviously since you you've gotten started there have been a few um rooftop tent companies coming out i want to ask what you feel really differentiates you from from the other guys out there
0: yeah well there's i think two things one um one is that, you know, I've been extremely involved in the design and the and the control of production. And so um, I am kind of a tinkerer and I like to use my gear and I feel like I'm pretty good at figuring out kind of how things should work or having ideas about how they might work better. And so there's kind of constant improvement going on. And that's sometimes to a fault. I mean, sometimes we make improvements that lead to problems that we haven't anticipated. Um, but there is constant improvement. And and then the other big thing I think that differentiates us is that we're a company structured to be have a very small footprint. So, you know, as you and I had talked about You know, a little while ago, I I have just a a small number of direct employees, but we have a large number of third party uh, providers that help us with all kind of phases of the company from, you know, shipping, logistics, marketing, all kinds of things. And that allows us to keep a really low overhead. And then we sell direct to consumer. We don't have a retail presence. We don't have retail partners. and brands that do, I mean, retail is a great way to get your product into the hands of people and kind of diversify how people get to know your brand. But it also costs a lot of money, um, you know, selling uh, tents to retailers at a wholesale price, you know, you have to give up quite a bit of the margin. And so we have decided, I decided early on that I just wanted to sell directly to consumers and. And that way, you know, the consumer is not paying this additional margin percentage to have a retail store relationship. And that's good and bad. It's not for everybody, but it's been working great for us. And and the big other big thing about that is we get to directly control the experience of each of our customers. So... Um, one of the things that you'll hear from our customers all the time is that we have just the best customer service in the industry. And I I do think that's true because literally any one of our customers can call us at any time and talk to us in real time. You know, so that's hard to do with any kind of brand that has any kind of reach.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, Now, I want to ask you about sustainability. Um, Like, obviously, being an outdoor company, the environment is important. How do you guys keep that top of mind, um, especially manufacturing such a large item like a rooftop tent?
0: Well, I would say that um, the environment and sustainability is certainly very important to me for the reasons you mentioned and and several others. Um, And with manufacturing, you know, we really. I mean, other than working with my factory to make sure that they have proper waste streams and that they, you know, have workers that are happy and um, uh, that sort of thing, we we try to use materials that are not terrible. And um, but uh, at this stage of our growth, it's really something that isn't a top line goal of the company to make sort of recyclable or using. Um, uh, you know some kinds of materials that might be um, organically produced or or things like that. It really hasn't come into the scope, other than just as a um, you know we're not trying to do any har- more harm than we do.
1: Right, right. Now I, I want to also talk about what growth has been like since you started. So you 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 start in 2016. You start selling really in 2017. So it's really only been a couple years. Um, what has that growth and e- exposure been like?
0: Well, um, yeah, we uh <laughs> sold about half a million dollars worth of tents in 2017, which was a complete surprise. I had no um any inkling that you know, roof nest would grow into what it has when I was getting going, I just thought this was cool and. These were cool products and I wanted, you know, I maybe could sell 20 of them and, and, um, you know, it just quickly grew. And then in, we tripled in 2017 and, and it looks like we're, um, maybe going to double this year. So we're, you know, selling a lot of tents. I think we have over a thousand tents out there in the, in the, in the wild.
1: That's amazing! <laughs> like <laughs> that's incredible, being able to grow yeah. that quickly in such a short period of time, and having no physical presence doing it all online, especially with a larger item like a rooftop <laughs> tent.
0: Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm as surprised as anybody. I,
1: I guess, and this is just me speculating. Like having a rooftop tent is probably more affordable than doing a like buying a, like a Sprinter van and doing like a full overhaul, right?
0: Oh well by about uh 98
1: grand oh yeah well exactly but in like and and a lot of steps in between so it's like like turning your your car having some sort of functionality and like being able to live out of it and then having the rooftop tent is just like it's a way more practical solution yeah
0: and i think it it allows for so many people who are not committed you know van lifers to participate in comfortable car camping because you don't you know, you don't have to buy another vehicle. You can use your grocery getter to put a rooftop tent on it and throw some clothes and food into the back and and you're off for the weekend. So it's opens it up to a lot more people. And I think, you know, people like the idea of road tripping and camping and exploring, but, um, Some people don't know exactly how to do it. Some people are not really psyched to set up a tent on the ground and find camping sites. You know, I was talking to a friend the other day and they were saying that, you know, the way rec.gov reserves campsites throughout the U.S. now, it's like you got to get on a lottery in February just to get a campsite (laughs) in the summer. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have your bed on top of your car, you just drive to some, you know, dispersed place it it, you know i mean freecampsites.net is a great web resource to find places to park and you don't need much more than a parking space to go out and sleep on top of your car so i think it's a great point you know yeah and and you know our tents are three grand or so and and so you know when it's all said and done and so you know that's so much cheaper than a uh you know having to have a second vehicle that's dedicated to camping i mean you know, nobody really can do that. I mean, it's a very small percentage that, you know, have the space to park, have the, you know, funds to have an extra vehicle, etc. cetera. But just about anybody can, um, you know, afford three grand to throw a roof nest on top of their car and be able to camp wherever they want.
1: That's so that's a very good point. Now, I guess my my only question is, can you camp in it in the winter? <laughs>
0: um yeah i mean depends on where you are if we're talking uh fairbanks alaska where i grew up (laughs) maybe maybe not so much if it's uh los angeles uh then yes no problem but uh but yeah um they are quite warm the uh top shell is insulated and the sidewall fabric is super thick and and um insulates much better than a typical backpacking tent um we also sell an insulation package for our tents and we do have people in the northeast and um other cold areas that that winter camp all the time and and they they dig it you know they're kind of a special breed but yeah they, <laughs> it's um, like that <laughs> yeah it's totally possible
1: yeah I'm, i was just thinking about it for like um like we spent our team spent the uh winter up in vermont um, and we did a ton of backcountry skiing. So being able to have one of those and like just yeah before a storm rolls in, park in the uh, uh, like right on the trailhead, yeah in that lot, and then just wake up early, do an early morning tour. It's like in the Northeast, gets cold. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you'll have nights below zero. Um. But I, I would totally do that. <laughs> like yeah, that, no, totally. Just,
0: and some people get little like mini portable propane heaters, like a Mister Buddy. Right. And, I was going to ask. You them, know, heat up their yeah, tent before right. they before they crash for the night, and you know, it's it's um it's quite an extended temperature range that you could be comfortable in in a roofed up tent.
1: Mm, that's really awesome. Um, okay, so over the last couple of years, what would you say has been the hardest part about starting and and building? Roof nest.
0: Well, I think the biggest issues we've had are production issues. So um, keeping up with demand, really, Um, and part of that is because my manufacturing partner was a small uh, factory when we began. They've they've since moved into a much bigger space and they've gained a lot more output capabilities. But um, we have always had Problems with production, and that's probably one of the things that's negatively affected our growth the most. Is that we are often backordered at this time of year. Last year we were backordered for two and a half months. You know, we just you know every time we got a container of tents, they would all ship right out, and we'd have none in stock again. You know, and um, so this year we're doing a little bit better, but not quite uh, good enough. And I think you know if I had to say what what are my biggest mistakes it would be that i have not planned for the growth and planned for production as well as i could have i mean it's 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 tough because you know when you planning for growth means spending a lot of money up front and that's always a risk too if you don't have the sales to back it up you get stuck with inventory and you know that kind of thing so it's it's tough balance
1: yeah, in manufacturing, I've always found, or at least from all of these interviews, the hardest part is capital, capital and managing inventory and really accurately projecting what you think you can move. And then, like you said, if you're wrong, then you're kind of just sitting there twiddling your thumbs being like, all right, well, I can't sell anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Now, did you, have you bootstrapped the whole business, or did you take in any sort of outside capital?
0: Bootstrap the whole thing.
1: Well, that's very impressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, I, like building something like this, especially a large ticket item like that, where there's definitely a lot of pieces involved in the manufacturing, that's not an easy thing to do.
0: No, it's been a challenge for a number of reasons, but uh, it seems uh, like it's been worth those efforts and and the risks that I've taken because you know now it's uh, it's it's an established company with a budget and you know, staff and just all, all of the things. And, uh, and, you know, I don't have to work with investors who have contrary aims to my own. Right. And, you know, I get to make all the decisions myself, which is, um, it's great because, you know, I get to, um, determine what my company feels like and looks like and how it's perceived and all of those things.
1: What advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor industry or really just a business in general?
0: Well, I think the biggest uh, piece of advice I would give is try to figure out if the market wants what you want to make or what you want to sell before you get too deep. Um, I think a lot of startup businesses in all you know, phases of markets, um, uh, try to decide what the market wants and then try to give that to the market. And I mean, that, there is that aspect of course, in any business, but I think, you know, making sure that the market actually wants what you think they want is key. That that's
1: key. I think that's great advice. Where, where do you see roof nest in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? Well um
0: I think that I would like to get onto a little more stable footing in terms of the structure of the company it's it's been just such fast growth that it feels uh like a like a uh you know a four alarm fire every day you know and um so I'd like the structure of the company to get a little better I I'd like to expand into other um product lines that support, you know, vehicle-based, uh, camping and adventure and things like that. And, um, and then also expand into other countries, you know, we're trying to expand into Australia. I have a small distributor in, uh, Britain, Great Britain and, or, uh, the UK United Kingdom. And, um, then,
1: uh, yeah. And then we'll just see. Okay, so tell me a little bit about some products you have in the pipeline, anything that really is kind of uh, new for Roof Nest.
0: Yeah, so we've actually been working on a new tent for uh, quite a while now that is a pretty big uh, departure from our existing um, manufacturer. So all of our tents now have this sort of ABS plastic and fiberglass shell, and uh, we have been working on an aluminum hard shell tent uh, which um, is uh, available on our website now. It's called the Falcon, and uh, all of our tents have bird names. <laughs> so um, this one, what makes it unique is because of the aluminum honeycomb shell design, I can make the tent uh, basically flat. And so uh, I, the tent is, has a super low profile. It's only about six and a half inches tall when it's closed. And um, and then it opens up like a clamshell. And uh, because of the uh, aluminum construction, it's super rigid and we can so we can stand the tent up quite tall. So it's almost five feet tall on the inside. And uh, we're making it in making it in two sizes. And. um, it also has an optional roof rack that you can attach to these kind of accessory channels that are on both sides of the tent or all four sides of the tent. And you can actually attach other things. We're going to make products like a light bar that you can put on the front of the tent um, or an awning attachment that you can attach to the side of the tent. Um, so we're really looking forward to really filling out this tent and all of the functionality that can, it can have.
1: Oh, that's super smart. I'm definitely excited to, uh, to see any, uh, all the new products you guys have coming out over the years. Okay, so obviously you, you've grown quite a bit over the last couple of years and you have a, a pretty lean team. Um, is it still like require a pretty uh, demanding work schedule from you, or have you kind of automated a lot of pieces of it um, over the last couple of years?
0: <laughs> yeah that's a i mean it is uh definitely i have not automated enough of it my workload is way too big i'm still uh just slammed especially from you know really february through to august and i i do get a breather in the fall and and a little bit over the winter um but yeah my workload is way too way too high and um so that's you know something i'd like to change going forward
1: no i totally get that so i i assume it's, it's so funny everyone i talk to like starts a business in the outdoor industry because they love being outdoors and then they're like yeah i'm inside in front of my computer or like in a manufacturing <laughs> facility most of my day <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah no best way to stop camping is starting a, start a camping company <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I totally uh man, yeah, it's uh <laughs> they don't they, I feel like you get warned, but you don't really realize it until you're in the thick of it and you're like, Oh yeah, no, that uh that does happen. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Oh man.
1: So tell me a little bit about the day-to-day for you. Like what what are some of the things that you kind of spend most of your time on and like has that changed over the last couple of years?
0: Uh well, Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, as the the basic model for my growth of staff and other resources has been, you know, I'm doing everything myself at the beginning. And, you know, as I do the various aspects of the company uh, and really come to understand them, then I feel like I can hire somebody to take that off my plate. So it's really been a, a matter of... Um, you know, getting to know that aspect of the company fully and then figuring out how to take that off my plate. And that's usually been by hiring someone directly or uh, getting a third-party provider to to fulfill that that need. And um, so, you know, my day-to-day is super varied I mean I I, I obviously have a lot of emails of varying kinds to respond to and phone calls and things and then you know uh, uh, I try to spend a lot of time um, figuring out where the next sort of growth is going to come from and you know what I want to do to expand our product line and how I want to um, change the tents or improve the tents and um, so it's yeah, it's kind of a lot of things every day.
1: Well, what's the best part about running Roof Nest?
0: Um, the best part is definitely getting to see, we have a Facebook group called the Roof Nest Flock, and it's, uh, I don't know, probably seven, 800 members now, and they're mostly customers, and getting to see everybody using their Roof Nest and going places and posting photos and, you know, others commenting, um, you know, knowing that we're creating that is just really, we're, we're not creating it. I mean, obviously the the public is creating that. Our customers are creating that, but you know, we're, we're helping. And so that's super rewarding and um, it's cool to see.
1: That's actually a really smart thing to do, especially on the end of like getting customer feedback, seeing how customers are using it and like, using that group to, I guess, improve upon the current product and then introducing new products. I assume you've taken advantage of that. Totally.
0: Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of feedback directly from our customers. Um, You know, I'm constantly getting feedback when I look at the flock just to see how people are using them and, you know, any problems they might have or questions people ask. I mean, it's, yeah, all the above.
1: That's so awesome. And I want to make a note for anyone listening to this episode before August 6th, you can actually enter to win a $1,000 gift card um, to Roof Nest, along with a ton of other uh, camping gear. Just head over to com for your chance to win. And um, with that, Tim, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and share your story and the story of Roof Nest. And it's really impressive to see how much you've grown in such a short period of time.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks a lot for having me on. It's been super fun to get to share the story. I don't often uh, get to do that. So it's kind of fun to reflect and get a perspective on where, where we come from and you know where we are now.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready A Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.